When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, what is up, guys? Thursday, August the 11th, 2022. Appreciate you all tuning in. We are live. Chris Phillips here, the Daily Crow of the Spurs Up show. What is up? I see John Edwards, see Youngblood, Todd Smith, Chase, Connor McCormish, Eric Reese. What's up, man? Appreciate you all tuning in again. We are live. We are live. Very excited to chat with you all. A ton to get into here on this Thursday. We're taking your questions, your comments, your calls as well. 843790. 3377. That's 843-790-3377. Again, guys, very excited. Also, if you're in the Big Cock Club Discord, head over to the TDC Questions channel. The TDC Questions channel. Be sure your questions are answered there. Again, really pumped to chat with you all. We got a big day today. We've already had a big day. Todd Smith. Todd Smith at a super chat. Appreciate you, Todd. Thank you, sir. Yeah, if you guys want to support the business, support the channel, support everything we do, <clears throat> and you're on YouTube, you can do so through Super Chat, Super Stickers. And again, we do appreciate that. Cayman, what's going on? Appreciate it. What's up, Cayman? Appreciate you tuning in. Noah Johns, my guy, John Rice. John, will I see you tonight in Fort Mill? That is my question. I tried to call you yesterday, and you did not even reply to me. I'm a little bit hurt. Courtney, what's up? Daniel Graham, appreciate y'all tuning in. Again, we're taking your questions, comments, calls. Guys, in our second hour, of course, You probably saw it on social media, but in our second hour, J.C. Sherbert of the Big Spur will join us. He will join us for the first time for his Thursday spot, 115 to, we'll say, 140, 145 or so, Um, 140, 145, something like that. So uh, really excited to have J.C. on weekly, excited to get his his thoughts on everything, South Carolina football and – yeah, going to be a lot of fun. Going to be a lot of fun getting his perspective. Also, of course, we all last night watched the Welcome Home South Carolina Football ESPNU thing, which I thought was cool, was cool. 
Um, we've already recorded the podcast for tomorrow because, of course, we got a very, very busy day. I'm first stopping by Columbia to pick up a new batch of towels, and then we'll be heading to Fort Mill tonight. Carolina Alehouse, Fort Mill, really excited. We'll get everything rolling at 6 o'clock, we'll say. Uh, probably do a Q&A around 7 or 7.30, and uh, we'll just kind of go from there. Should be a fun night, great night of fellowship. I will say this. I really wish I would have had the schedule or I would have just known the schedule or thought about it because I know tonight also is the Carolina Panthers uh, fan fest. And, and I hate that those things are conflicting. Um, I'm sure there are probably some Gamecock fans that are also Panthers fans that want to go to that fan fest. And if you go to it, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to hold it against you. I'm not going to hold a grudge or anything. Uh, um, uh, but hopefully we, we have a good crowd tonight. I think we will I think we'll have a good crowd. I know John Edwards going to be there. I mean, we've got John Edward there who else, you know, whenever we, we, uh, you know, no, it's going to be a good time. going to be a lot of fun. Looking forward to it. And again, the, the alehouse tour has been a, it's been a blast. It's been a blessing. It's been a huge success at this point. I expect nothing but the same tonight in Fort Mill. Uh, yeah. Dusty Rhodes, Mike Yuva's hit the transfer portal. Yeah. Mike Yuva, um, which I'm really happy for Mike. Congratulations to Mike. You know, Mike's going where he's always wanted to be, which was back in Boston. Uh, obviously Mike is a Boston guy, as we all know. And, you know, I've talked to him behind the scenes and everything and, you know, I think obviously he certainly grew to love South Carolina and love the Gamecocks and and uh, love being on the beat for USC. But again, his blood <clears throat> his blood runs for the Patriots, the Celtics, the Red Sox, all things Boston. So I'm really happy for Mike because again, it, it it's it's uh you know it's 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 really cool in life to get to you know, cover a team you love. I mean, I can speak firsthand. And so the fact that Yuva will now get to do that is a really cool thing. So congratulations to Mike Yuva. Uh, going to be weird with him no longer. I mean, he did say he's going to cover Gamecocks football this season remotely, though. So I don't think he's just, like, going away, right? Like, Mike's going to cover kind of football this season. But, uh, yeah, going to be a little bit different. Obviously, he's not going to be in Columbia anymore. Um, he's not going to be in COLA, not going to be on site, on scene, whatever. So, yeah, congratulations, though, to Mike. I know this is a big deal for him. I know he's probably super stoked, super, super excited, and uh, I'm happy for him. So, again, guys, want to hear from you, taking your questions, comments, calls. Again, we've already recorded the podcast for tomorrow. Really exciting podcast. <clears throat> really exciting podcast as we begin the 2022 position unit preview series as we talk Gamecocks quarterbacks on the show Tomorrow, and I tell you what, this position at preview series, I think, is just a great way to take us into kickoff. Um, it's a lot of fun getting you guys more familiar with this roster and this football team. And obviously, tomorrow's show, you can just nickname it the Spencer Rattler Show um, because that's what we talked about the entire time. Um, but anyways, really, really good stuff, really fun stuff. Uh, and, and we'll discuss that more, obviously, on the Daily Crow tomorrow. But again, we got a lot to get into today. Uh, let's dive into your questions. Brian Dean, what do you think of last night, the welcome home on ESPNU? I mean, I thought it was cool. I, I thought a lot of it was regurgitation from stuff we've posted on social media. Um, the feature on Marshawn Lloyd was really dope, you know, seeing his recovery and all that. But it was kind of light as I expected. You know what I mean? I mean, I figured they were probably just going to take a lot from events that had already happened and just sort of highlight that. But things that we literally have already seen on social media. So, I mean, it was cool. Don't get me wrong. It was really, really cool. I I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I can't wait for next week, and it's awesome to – you know, it's just something else to get us fired up, not that we we need anything, but it's something else to get us fired up. But, uh, you know, I thought it was cool. Highly suggest – I mean, listen, I highly suggest if you missed it, 
to go back and watch it. They're going to re-air it Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, Friday night at like 9 o'clock. So if you couldn't check it out last night, I highly suggest going back. It's just cool, man. Again, it's something to fire us up. And I think it's honestly what it served served as is a great advertisement for South Carolina football, really, truly. Um, let's see. I think it, the, the point is it's going to be great for recruiting, right? It's not the most entertaining thing in the world, but it's going to be great for recruiting. Um, Brandon Wagner. So, like, there was nothing, nothing, uh, like, crazy interesting that came about necessarily, you know what I mean? There was nothing, like, crazy interesting or, or earth-shattering or groundbreaking or anything like that. Um, you know what I mean? But it, it, but it was fun. It was cool. It was cool. And, and I don't think either, like, when you know, it'll be interesting to see what they – do they dive into anything specific when they get into, like, fall camp stuff and all that? But I, I think it's just going to be very high-level overview, show off the facility, show off Beamer, show off the program. I thought it was cool getting some film from Beamer talking to his coaches in their meeting, um, seeing some of their 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 core values on the wall of the indoor facility. You know, things you just don't normally get to see. But, uh, yeah, so I, I'm looking forward to the rest of the series. I think it's going to be really, really dope. Let's see. Cayman says, moved my daughter back to school yesterday, rode by the stadium. Saw Todd Ellis walking in the stadium. Sometimes you forget, forget how big that guy really is. Yeah, Todd's a legend. Todd's a legend. John, hope to see you there tonight, my guy. If not, totally understand, but hope to see you there. Hunter Johnson, how do you feel about the Columbia NIL thing that got posted? Just another way for the players to make money. And so I'm, I'm all for it, man. I'm all for it. I'm all about the players benefiting from their name, their image, their likeness. Um... And I would say this, and I, and I don't worry about this, but as long as, as long as it doesn't take away from play on the field and it doesn't take away from them performing, I, I got no issue with it at all. And, again, I, I don't have any – I don't believe that's going to be an issue, but I'm just saying, I, I don't mind it. Hey, get your money. Get all you can. So, uh, AJ – oh, let's see. Travi, losing our commitment to Florida still keeps us top 25 the linebacker. Yeah, we're 20th, Travi. Travi, we're 20th. Um, we only dropped two spots. Yeah, that, I mean, that's that's the news we'll get to. Jaden Robinson decommits from South Carolina and effectively commits to the Florida Gators. I mean, guys, listen. Number one, if you've been listening for a while, you probably knew this was coming because the kid's from the state of Florida. Um, his hometown, That's his hometown school, right? But, guys, live by the sword, die by the sword. I mean, it's just, it's just the nature of the beast. You know what I mean? When a guy flips and picks us, we love it. We're like, oh, recruiting's so great. Recruiting's awesome. We love when a guy flips. So you just can't be a hypocrite and say now you hate recruiting. Commitments mean nothing. Guys should should do this. I mean, let me ask you this. Are you Are you concerned about rival fans when a guy flips from them to us? Y'all don't care. Nobody cares. So, if you love it when you get a flip, you have to understand that flips are going to happen. They just are. They just are. Um, they just are. Like, it's just the nature of the beast. When you play the recruiting game, sometimes you win, and a lot of times you win with Beamer, but sometimes you'll get burned. Sometimes you'll get burned, and it just happens, and you just got to keep it moving and just sign the best 25 guys or so that you can, and Go to the transfer portal and, I mean, just go from there, man. I mean, you're, you're, not, you're never going to land them all. You're, you're just not. You're just not. And uh, I literally posted about this last night and talked about it on social media. We've been very active on Twitter. And uh, you guys have been very engaging. I and, mean, again, you can really tell the season 
is is right around the corner. I mean, you can tell it's right around the corner when I just feel like I can feel the energy and the emotion and the electricity ramping up, and it's a really, really cool thing. But, uh, I mean, listen, guys, are they're going to decommit, they're going to flip. It just happens. So you just, you just got to live with it. You got to live with it, and uh, it's the nature of the recruiting game. If you don't like it, that's just tough because that's how it works. So, you know, I got to laugh out of people saying like, oh, you know, they shouldn't, they shouldn't commit until this, or they should make them sign of this, or don't call it a commitment. It's like, guys, I, I mean, again, you love it when we get a flip. You don't, you don't question his commitment level, do you? You don't question his commitment level. So, Tyler Jennings says, where can you find the Welcome Home episode to rewatch it? I, I think maybe if you've got, like, watch ESPN or, like, on demand, um, maybe then you can cut it on, but it'll re-air Tomorrow night at like nine, then Saturday and Sunday. I don't know what times, but it will re-air over the weekend. I would just check uh, ESPNU is the channel it'll be on. I would just check there. So, trip, yes, sir. Twenty-three days. Twenty-three days. Twenty-three days. John Edward ordered some Beamer Rattler merch today. John, thank you, John. Appreciate you. He says I'm not a Panthers fan, so it doesn't conflict with me. Good, good. I'm just saying though, if I, if I had known that, I probably would have done Augusta today and then. Fort Mill next week just to not conflict, but it is what it is, man, whatever. If you want to go to FanFest, so be it. <laughs> so be it, whatever. All we got's all we need, right? All we got's all we need. We'll have a good time tonight. I'm, I'm really excited, looking forward to it. Excited for Fort Mill. AJ Bowers, I understand it's Florida, but I'm just wondering how Florida's getting all these four stars all of a sudden. Uh, like you said, AJ Bowers, it's Florida. And, I mean, are they throwing the bag? Like, yeah, the Gator Collective exists for NIL, so I'm sure they are. But, AJ, you can't even complain anymore. Like, like that's the funny thing when I see people like, oh, they paid him. They threw in the bag. Everybody's throwing everybody the bag, and it's common knowledge now. So, if, if you're not throwing the bag, then you only have yourself to blame because now you can do it. So, and, yeah, it's also Florida. So, and he's a Florida guy. So, Todd Smith ordered some towels. Todd, thank you, Todd. I'm actually picking up the towels later today. I will get the next batch shipped out by end of day tomorrow. So, Hunter Kelly says, "Look like that. Looks like that tat is going to be on that ass this year." Well, Hunter Kelly, we got to go win ten games first, my guy. We got to go win ten games first. So, we got to go win ten games. Brian Dean, Chris, do you see where we are? The seventh ranked class in transfer players. What that was for last year, right? Right, not right now, but for last year, yeah, we we killed. I mean, we crushed on the recruiting or on on the transfer portal side of things. We crushed it. Yeah, we crushed it. Cayman says our running back room could be the best since 2011. Cayman, <laughs> my only thing is that listen, I know you're fired up after watching the show last night, and, and I like Marshawn Lloyd too, but I feel like people said this last year. Let me ask you this: Is the running back room better this year than it was last year? You're talking about the best since 2011. I mean, Kevin Harris, Zaquandre White, Marshawn Lloyd was on this team last year. Juju was on this team last year. So, I would ask you, do you think this year's running back room is better than last year's? I I, I don't know that you can say that. So, you're talking about best since 2011. I, I think that's aggressive, my guy. I know you're excited for football. and It's so funny. It's so funny how early in the preseason, we're driven by logic. Logic, logic, logic. But as, as we get closer, as the countdown shrinks in days, as the countdown shrinks in days, emotion takes over for where logic is. 
And that's why you start seeing some of these predictions skyrocket. Like, we've literally reached the point of the preseason where people are picking 10 games as a serious pick. And I respect all picks. Again, I'm not going to spend this entire show today doing that again. But I just <laughs> – woo! I just It's just aggressive. Um, let's see. Now, nah, Pup's not going to flip. We're fine. We're, we're not going to flip. Uh, Todd Smith throwing me the bag, the NIL bag. Todd, I appreciate you, my man. You're my guy. You're my guy. Thank you. Uh, came and I think Juju, Christian Beal, Smith, and Miller. Dude, you think Dante Miller's going to play? I mean, listen, I, I I love the kids that he's fast, but is he not like RB5? I don't even know if he's, he, I, I don't even know if Miller's in the rotation. I mean, I know he's fast, but I, I just, have you heard anything differing that's saying he's going to be like a starter or like going to get a lot of reps or, I mean, whose carries is he taking away? I mean, you got Juju, Lloyd, Beale Smith. I mean, then you probably go Lavoisier, then Rashad Amos is there. Where's Dante Miller fit into that? Yeah, returning kicks would be cool. Obviously, something to let him utilize his speed. I, I can almost see Dante Miller being like a Bryce Sherman, you know? Be like a Bryce Sherman. Just use track star speed to, to make plays. That's it. That's all we need you to do. Hold on to the ball and run as fast as you can. That's it. So, um, James Kendall says, this year's running back room is better. Lloyd and Harris had health issues. Juju was a freshman versus sophomore. Fair enough. Fair enough. That, no, that's a good point. The Harris back injury was, was really hurt us last year. That really hurt us. That really hurt us. I just was posing the question. I just feel like every year I hear, like, this is the best this we've ever had. Like, I've, I've been hearing about that, that about the defensive line forever. I, I've been hearing about that, about the defensive line. How many years in a row have we had a great D-line and we haven't, it hasn't panned out? I mean, here we go. A.J. Bowers over under 500 rushing yards for Lloyd. I got to go over. I, I mean, I just, I, I have, you know, I thought Christian Beal Smith was RB1. And he might still very well be. I, I'm I'm starting to come around. I th- I do think Lloyd is going to be the guy. I mean, he he seems like he's healthy, and that's the only question. It's like if he's healthy, I think he's RB one. I think it's going to be a lot of Beal Smith too, though. Like I think they're going to split a lot of carries, and you know, Beal Smith's a little bit bigger of a guy, more of a short yardage guy, whatever. Uh, and I love his game. I love his game. I'm definitely going over for Lloyd though. I, I'd be at 500. I'd be a I'd be pretty surprised. I'd be pretty surprised if uh, if Lloyd was at under 500. That 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 to me would say he did not have a good year. Um, somebody asked earlier who's going to the Arkansas game. We will be throwing a watch party for the Arkansas game. I will not be in Fayetteville. Uh, I will not be in Fayetteville. So hopefully those who are going make the trip, paint it garnet and black, and bring home a W. That's it. Kelsey Quarles, what's up, Kelsey? He says he thinks the D-line struggles have been coaching. Okay. That's coming from Kelsey Quarles. Um, I wonder if Kelsey, which he's obviously tuned in, I guess I could just ask him, Jimmy Lindsay. Jimmy Lindsay fan? No. I, I talked to Brad Lawing about him, and he said he liked him. Said he liked him. Said that the biggest thing that is, is, is you know, because coaches coach coaches, right? His biggest feedback for Lindsay was um, to practice faster, get more reps in. So they so – they, they weren't getting enough reps in. So, Cayman Lightsey, well, we have two receivers over 800 yards. 
I mean, that's bold, but it's not too bold. It's not too bold. I mean, I think if Rattler has the type of year I think he's going to have, I mean, listen, you think out of Van, Wells, and Bell? The only thing I say is, like, we have a lot of weapons, right? I think one guy goes over 1,000. I, I, I'm willing to say a guy goes over 1,000. Mm, two guys. If we have two guys over 800, we had a really, really good year. I, 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 I'll say yes. I'll say yes. I'll say yes. I, barely over 800, the other one, but I think one guy goes over 1,000 and one guy's like at 800, So, which, again, I think would be a great year. Because you just think, like, I think of Josh Van last year and Bell. They had, like, 550 and 650, respectively, yardage. It's like, dude, like, one of those guys is going to hit 1,000. One of them is. Like, now you've got a quarterback, you know? I don't know. Let's see. Guys, again, questions, comments, calls. Hope to see you at Ale House tonight. Carolina Ale House, Fort Mill, as the TSUS tour continues. Uh, really exciting stuff, man. We got a busy, busy, busy day. We got a text here. It says, is it true when you transfer to another team, you can start this season, or do you still have to wait a certain time? Well, so right now, players can just transfer and play. If you, tr- I don't know if you can even transfer right now, though. I don't, I don't know if that's a thing. There is a cutoff date for transfers, so I don't think you can just go right now. But, uh, yeah, no, it's now it's wide open, dude. Transfer portal, there's no sitting out anymore. So, AJ Bowers over under 400 yards receiving for Stogger Bell. You think Jaheim Bell's going to finish with less than 400 yards receiving, my guy? We did not utilize him at all if he finishes with less than 400 yards. Yeah, Jaheim Bell's going way over 400. I don't know about Stog, but Jaheim Bell is way over that. Um, Brian Dean, here's a bold take. Clayton White had top 10 defenses at Western Kentucky. It's year two. His defense will be top 15 in the country. Brian, I'll take outside top 15. I think we're a top 50 defense. I think we're probably around 40 or 45, kind of where we were last year. I, I don't see this defense top 15. Brian, until we stop the run more consistently, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not putting those type of expectations on the defense. I'm sorry, just not doing it. Top 15 is too aggressive, my friend. Uh, Cade, who's tight end one? I, I, you know, it's, I'd say it's Stog. I mean, do you do you list Jaheim Bell as a tight end? He's kind of like the hybrid Swiss Army knife. So if, I guess if you listed him as a tight end, he'd be number one. But I think Stogner's tight end one. I'm excited for Trey Kenyon, man. I'm excited for Trey Kenyon. I think Trey Kenyon's a guy who sort of slept on the offense. Can uh, be great in the run game. Can also do some things in the pass game. You know, I'm not saying he's going to go off this year, but I think he's a solid player. Daddy-O, I hope our DVs play better than the simulator. Yeah, it's a, it's a video game. Thank goodness. <laughs> it is a video game. Thank goodness, indeed. Indeed. Yeah, I, I see some people bringing it up. Uh, I see some people bringing it up. Jaden Robinson decommitting last night. Uh... Jaden Robinson decommitting last night and committing to the Florida Gators. I mean, guys, it is what it is. It is what it is. It's recruiting. Live by the sword. Die by the sword. Live by the sword. Die by the sword. I tell you what, though, the the Mike Yuva news, that's great for Mike Yuva. How does it affect Gamecock Central? They, I mean... They uh, that's 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 tough. 
That's a that's a tough loss for them. That's a tough loss for them. I ain't gonna lie. I mean, when you talk about they're they're based off of, you know, having talent or whatever, talented guys, and I, you know, I think Wes Mitchell and uh, I think Wes Mitchell and um. Sorry, I just got a text. Yeah, so I think West Mitchell and those guys do a good job, but losing Yuva, that's tough. That's a, that's a tough blow. That's a tough blow. Yeah, Mike Yuva, Alex Mitchum is taking a freelance job, a freelance gig in Boston. So he will no longer be in Columbia. I think he said that they're going to allow him to continue to cover the Gamecocks uh, throughout this season because he's doing freelance in Boston. But, um, yeah, he's out. He's out. Mike Yuva has hit the transfer portal. <laughs> oh, Chris Clark. I say something different. Yeah, Wes Mitchell, Chris Clark, all those guys. Uh, which they do a good job. Brian Dean says, South Carolina will average 34.6 points per game, give up only 12.3 points per game on defense. <laughs> Brian, we do that. 12.3. 12.3 points per game on defense. Brian, I've got double that. I think Carolina gives up 24 points per game. So where where's the disconnect with you and I? What where's our disconnect, Brian? Let's talk. Let's chat. Let's talk. Where's the disconnect? Why do you think that what 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 am I missing? Somebody texts in, not sure if you've seen the rally up promotion selling season tickets for 150, 165, including the Georgia game. You get to reserve two two games at a time. But why wasn't anything like this being promoted by previous staffs for here? I haven't seen that. Where is that at? Anybody want to drop the link? Rally up? Is that what it is? Rally up Gamecocks football tickets? I I see catch a game. I have not seen rally up, though. Catch a game is a very big deal for them, though. Austin Moore says, where's James from the other day? I don't know. Uh, let me get into your questions, guys. I feel like I'm kind of falling behind here. Is anybody in the big – oh, here we go. Big Cock Club Discord, too. I apologize, guys. I, yeah. Tons of questions coming in. Uh, Craig Phillips says, let's go. Can't wait to see what the calls will be like today and how long until the 10-2 and two talk starts. He says, I can feel it this year. The Waterboy room is the best we've ever had. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, that'll be the difference. That'll be the difference. Um, here we go. A.J. Bowers, which away game do we struggle with the most this year? Good question. Um, you know, it's funny. I've got us with a lot of close losses on the road, right? Because I've got us beating Florida. i got us beating Kentucky. Like, I have us playing very well on the road. Very well on the road, right? Because um, I've got us beating Florida, beating Kentucky, beating Vandy, and beating Clemson. God, that's – I might have to go back and change my damn predictions. Holy shit. I didn't realize I just went in four road games. That's – I mean, that's – Um. you know, Clemson could be a struggle. Arkansas could be – you know, I, I really – I'll be honest with you guys. So many people are fired up. I'm fired up too. I felt like I was being kind when I picked that Arkansas game. I, I hate the matchup, guys. I hate it. Arkansas with four or five guys back on the offensive line. They've got K.J. Jefferson. 
I just what what is there about this football team until I see it until I see it what tells you we are going to not struggle against the run it's the same guys I mean it's practically the same players you've added a few here and there but like you're just we're asking guys to step up and do something they didn't do last year you know I'm not I think we will be improved in run defense are we going to be ready in week two to do that with a physical Arkansas team? I just, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think that'll be the difference. I think that's why Arkansas will win the football game. Um, you know, you got to set the tone first in week one, and it really doesn't matter what you do in week one, but you, I, I think you really need to set a precedent in week one of, like, we are improved up front. We are improved. We can stop the run. That needs to be a thing. Because, like, dude, if you give up 200 yards rushing at Georgia State, I mean, just mail it in. I mean, you, you, you ain't got a chance in Fayetteville. Granted, granted, I say that. I say that, and week one doesn't define everything. Because look back at 2007. I'll just never forget week one of the 07 season. Week one of the 07 season, uh, you gave up, like, 260 yards rushing to Louisiana Lafayette, right? Who recalls that, right? Gave up 260 or 270 yards rushing to Louisiana Lafayette. The following week, you turn around and beat Georgia. You stuff no, no Sean Moreno and, and that attack. So week one doesn't tell everything. Don't draw conclusions from week one. But you just I, – I think it's really important. I think it's just really important for uh, just psyche even. Psyche going into weeks two and three. Um, let's see. Rebecca, what's going on? I see you tuned in. Thank you so much. Jacob Edwards says Arkansas is the number one team in the West this year. Brian Dean said, this defense will remind you of the defense we had when Swearinger was knocking heads. R.J. Roderick and Cam Smith will control, will control the skies like our Air Force. Brian, how are we going to stop the run? That's my only question for you. How are we going to stop the run, my guy? How are we going to stop the run? That's that's the key. It ain't nobody. The secondary's fine. How are we going to stop the run? That's my question. Got to stop the run. That's where it all starts. Stop the run. Um. Here we go. Th- th- I'm glad you're bringing this up. Hunter Johnson says, "I think we have a better shot at home against Georgia than at Arkansas." Georgia lost players on both sides of the ball, and Arkansas returns most of their front. I, I disagree completely. I, I just – which game do we have a better shot to win? Week two at Arkansas. And I think the reason people will say Georgia is because we beat them in 2019, and folks have this idea in their head because we pulled some miracle win off against them in 2019 as we, when we were 24-and-a-half-point underdogs. People feel like – we like we're that we're that pest we're that thorn in their side. I get it, I get it, and those games are crazy. They tend to be, but guys, they're really not though. Like like to a degree that like look back at the history of this series. South Carolina since 2014 has beaten them one time, once, and it was in 2019, and it was bullshit. It was a flu. I mean, I hate to say that, but guys, I mean, it was the it was the most absurd victory in school history. 24-and-a-half-point underdogs. Like, it was the most improbable, head-scratching, mind-blowing game. Bullshit wasn't the right word. I take that back. Because I don't want to take anything away from our football team. But it was like the most just 
hard to understand, hard to comprehend game. Outside of that, though, Georgia's had her. I mean, they, they've whooped us. They've whooped us since Spurrier left. I mean, they really have. Um, I'm not saying that's what's going to happen this year. That's not what I'm saying. But to say that we have a better chance to beat Georgia than Arkansas, you're giving too much credit to Arkansas, in my opinion, and you're giving us too much credit against Georgia. I just, I view Georgia, listen, I know they lost a lot, man. I get it. They're still elite. They're still elite. They've still recruited an extremely high level. They're up there with Bama, dude. They just won the national title, for God's sake. And they're not, I, you know, I listen, I, I love our guy Walker calling in. I don't think Georgia's going to drop back like a, like a, like a, uh, like an LSU did. I, they've still got, you know, somebody was commenting, you think Stetson Bennett's going to beat us? The Dude, they beat us by 27 last year. Like, why do you act like, why do you act like picking Georgia to beat Carolina some bold pick? I mean, I picked in the preseason Georgia to win by 17. And, and I'll say this too, that's one thing I've seen with the preseason predictions, guys. Because if you go through mine, I really feel like I tried to keep things realistic with the scores. You know, I've got a couple double-digit losses in there. I've seen a couple nine and threes, even eight and fours, but zero double-digit losses. Do you think that's realistic? Like, I I just, I think there will be a double-digit loss somewhere in this season. It's just going to happen. I just, for Carolina to go eight and four, let's say, and lose all four by single digits, I mean, you'd have to be a really good football team, right? And there's some things, I mean, that's the beauty of college football, right? There's just some things you cannot predict. There's some things you cannot predict. You can't predict losing 44 to 14 at Texas A&M. You can't predict losing by 27 at Georgia. You can't predict getting shut out 30 to nothing against Clemson, right? So, and I'm not saying that those things are going to happen, nor that you should expect those things, but do you really think we're just going to lose to everybody we lose to by single digits? Is that not a little aggressive? You don't think we're going to have one bad game? Like, do, do you not think we're going to have one bad game? That's all I'm saying. The crowded booth, which we just, he said, we just previewed South Gun on our channel. Our take is that inserting Rattler elevates this team one or two wins. Thoughts? That's fair, yeah. I, I think that's absolutely fair. Um, I mean, I've picked Carolina crowded booth. Again, thank you for tuning in, crowded booth. Uh, I've picked Carolina to go eight and four, four and four in SEC play. I've got them beating Clemson at the end of the season. And I do think whether it's one or two games or however many, I think there are a couple of moments this season where Spencer Rattler puts the team on his back and South Carolina wins a game because he simply, I look at the game at Kentucky. I think Rattler outduels Levis. That's why the Gamecocks will win. Bottom line, point blank, end of discussion. So I think there will be a game or two this year, like you're saying, that, that will give Carolina a dub where otherwise they would not have one just because of his play. So um, I do agree with you. And I see you said you just subbed. Thank you. I will sub back after this and would love to come on y'all's show. Yeah, absolutely. Would love to come on the show, man. I'm always down to talk Carolina football and talk Gamecocks and just talk ball, man. It's always a blast. Uh, let's see. We have not stopped running a long time. That is a very good point. That is a very good point. I just, by the way, I want you guys to know how much I value you all tuning in and, and, and the banter and the questions and the comments and everything because – I remember when I started the Daily Crow and I told myself, like, if nobody comments, I'm not going to do this because it's like I already do a podcast. I don't need another outlet to just rant, right? And I know I go on rants, but you guys inspire all of it. You inspire all of it. So I just want to say thank you, man. I, I, the beauty's in the banter, and I really do appreciate it. Connor McCormish in the TDC Questions channel, the Big Cock Club Discord says, 
I think we struggle with Arkansas on the road the most. Since it's early in the year, they're a good team with a routing environment. I don't disagree. I don't disagree with you. Matt Jones says, uh, he says, haven't been able to watch live lately and comment live, but people, like you said, need to take practice with a grain of salt. I mean, with Mo and Debo taking first-team reps, I mean, it's practice. Don't think they would beat out two six-year guys, but they could be one person going into starting first and second string, going to go back and forth in practice. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you, Matt. I mean, I just... You know, it's not like they set the depth chart on Tuesday or anything like that, right? So, I mean, I, again, just just take it with a grain of salt. Um, you know, take it with a uh, take it with a grain of salt. I mean, it is what it is. Like, I mean, there are some things certainly like after the scrimmage Saturday, right? Like, we might be able to pick up some things or like the depth chart starts to come together. But I mean, I think until we get that depth chart week one, which we will get, you know, just just take it with a grain of salt. You know what I mean? Like. The, the, the number one goal of fall camps is nobody get hurt. That's it. As long as we come out of fall camp healthy, I that's that's it. Blake Miller, if Cade Klubnik takes the job at Clemson, do you still expect to carry on a win? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. You're telling me a true freshman's better than Spencer Rattler? No. No, absolutely not. I can't believe he doesn't have the job already. Honestly. I think it's it's impressive that Dabo is sticking by his guy. I almost kind of respect it. I almost kind of respect it. So, Braddock, 843, says, do we run two or three linebackers? Well, Clayton White runs a 4-2-5, so I think we'll go two linebackers. I mean, certainly they can be multiple and switch in and out and, you know, whatever. But the four, that's the base defense for us is a 4-2-5. So, mm-hmm. let's see. My guy, DGD. What's up, man? I mean, listen, I'm not, listen, guys, I'm not sitting here saying that it's impossible to beat Georgia. Carolina's done it before. But, and I'm all, I mean, obviously, guys, I'm all about Spencer Rattler. I'm all about Shane. I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm all for it. But there's still a significant, and that's why I say, like, I'm not going beyond eight and four in predictions because I just don't think this team is there yet on the line of scrimmage to go week in, week out, and push people around. Right? I mean, guys, we saw it, like, again, the beauty is that it's not all predictable, right? The beauty is that it's not all predictable. So, like, we saw it last year. Do you not think there's going to be a Missouri game this year where things happen that just don't make sense? We gave up, like, 260 yards rushing to Mizzou, and we ran for 56 yards. Do you really think there's not going to be a game this year where we have a game where we rush for less than 100 yards? It, like, it's going to, like, that's why I'm saying, guys, when people say the 10 and 2, the 11 and 1, like, do you really think on a week in, week out basis, we are going to play at an elite level? Like, do you, do you really think we're not going to have some off weeks, some off games? I mean, it's just, it's not realistic. We are not that much more supremely talented, right? At every position, we're, we're just not there. Like, I don't know how you can even debate that. And it's okay that we're not. It's year two, but we're not we're not a ten win football team, man. We're we're not we're not a ten win football. I think it's just and that's not a hot take either, guys. That's a normal, sane human being take. Um and so Steve Hester t- chimes in. Steve Hester says, I honestly think we start 0 and 4 in the conference. We're getting better, but I'll take seven and five. But I'll tell you this, Steve, and I had a conversation with a good buddy of mine, a good buddy of mine, my guy Jay. My guy, Justin, we had this combo for hours. We've had this combo multiple times. 
I've locked in my predictions eight and four, four and four in league play. I'll say this though. They're, they're, they're so, and I've locked in Mizzou as my most important game. There's so many important games on the schedule though, right? I got Mizzou most important for the sake of the overall 2022 season. I've got Arkansas as the biggest swing game. Right? You beat Arkansas to hell with my predictions, to hell with your predictions. Who knows? Kentucky, I think, is the biggest inflection point, right? The season's going to go one way or another. I think to get to seven wins or more this season, I think you have to start four and two or better. I, I, I just, I, guys, let, let me ask you this question. Let's, let's just, hey, since we're cocky twan and I wish the, the guy James Reynolds was in here and others, Brian Dean, since we're playing the hype, and I'm willing to play this game, the hypothetical of what if we win 10 games, which is a fun hypothetical. It's much more fun than the one I'm about to present. So if we can play that one, though, let's play the other way. Let's say we lose to Arkansas, which there would be no shame in. Let's say it's a close loss. No shame in that. Arkansas is going to be favored. They're at home. They're ranked. No shame in losing to Arkansas. Would we agree? It's not like you lost to Vandy. No shame. Lose to Georgia at home. No shame in that. Defending national champions, they're still elite. They're going to win the East. No shame in it. Let's say you lose to Kentucky. They're going to be favored over you. No shame in that, right? I mean, it's going to hurt. It stings. We hate it. But there's no shame in that. But what is going to be the mood of this fan base if you're sitting there at the bye week at 3-3 and and 0-3 and in conference? With Texas A&M looming coming out of the bye week. Staring at a 3-4 and and 0-4 and start in league play. I'm not saying you won't win another game the rest of the year. And I don't doubt the abilities of Shane Beamer and this coaching staff to keep his team motivated and combat adversity and stay together. But this fan base and this program and this team is going to be so mentally shot and so mentally frazzled. I mean, can you imagine being 3-4, and 0-4 oh in league play going into that Mizzou game? Looking for your first SEC win in the month of October. Some of you might think what I'm saying is crazy, but guys, it's just as likely that happens or it's just as crazy that happens as South Carolina winning 10 games. If 10 wins isn't too crazy, then six isn't too crazy. They're both crazy, right? To some. I'm just saying, if you're sitting there at that mark, like, what is the overall mood? What 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 is the what what is the where, where's the fan base at mentally? Because I just don't think it's going to be good enough to be at that halfway point and say, well, I mean, we've we've beat the teams we're supposed to beat, and we've lost the ones we're supposed to lose to, and is that good enough? Is that good enough? I I don't think with a Rattler and with a Wells and with a Stog and with a Dawkins and with a Reed and with the guys you've added and the guys you brought back, I, I just, I don't know that that's good enough. And, and there's going to be a lot of people that are shaken up. These people that have had these 10 win, even these nine win, even, listen guys, I'll be furious. I'll be fired up. I'll be right there with you. Three and three at the halfway point and three and four starting is not, you know, my good friend, Brad Crawford, he's picking that. He's picking a three and four, oh, and four start in SEC play, and the Gamecocks win four straight SEC games down the stretch. I think that's aggressive. I I just, I don't see this. I mean, I I can most certainly see wins or a Mizzou Vandy, duh. 
four straight down the stretch. That seems aggressive. I, I just, I just, I think it's pivotal, pivotal to beat either Arkansas or Kentucky. I mean, God, if you beat Georgia, obviously that's that's a huge win. But I, I think splitting Arkansas and Kentucky, I, I think that is a major key to this season, right? Right. Um, I, I just I think it's too aggressive to expect. I mean, if you start three and four and zero oh and four in league play, this team's shot. I mean, this this team is so mentally shot because then you start, you know. Again, I don't question Shane Beamer's ability to hold this team together and combat adversity, but, I mean, losing takes a toll, man. Losing, losing, unfortunately, uh, can affect people. And you, you start with the finger pointing. You start with the this, the that. You know, Marcus Satterfield's seat, by the way, if we're 3-4, and 0-4 oh in league play, going to be – I don't even know if there's an adjective to describe how hot it would be. Scorching isn't enough. Marcus Satterfield will be the, the most hated man in Columbia if we're three and four, zero oh and four in league play. That's not a hot take. People are going to be irate if that's the case. But again, it's just a hypothetical, and I don't think it's going to happen. I think you beat Kentucky. I do think you beat Kentucky. I think you start four and two again. I just think that's necessary to hit a seven or an eight wins. I think it's necessary. So. On that note, guys, we're going to go ahead and jump into a quick break. I want to continue to hear from you, though. More of your questions, comments, calls, and more on the other side. You're tuned in to the Daily Crow. All right, guys, we're back. Taking your questions, your comments, your calls, 843-790-3377. Again, guys, make sure you get your questions in because at 115, J.C. Sherbert of the Big Spur will join us to talk counter football. Really, really excited Really excited to hear from J.C., his thoughts on Spencer Rattler, the 2022 season, everything, everything. Again, this is going to be a weekly spot. This is not just a one-time thing. So we're going to have a great conversation, great banter. I might even ask him, like, what's it like the message – what's it like dealing with the message board, folks? Like, like you know, it's, it's, it's basically just another form of Twitter. You know what I mean? But either way, it's going to be a good time. Excited to get his thoughts on kind of football. And obviously those guys are locked in on fall camp and stuff like that. And, and – uh, you know, scrimmages Saturday and, and, and really, really good stuff. So, going to be exciting. Going to be exciting. Cody Gaskins. Oh, boy. Here's some, here's some perspective. Y'all can throw your tomatoes. Direct your tomatoes at Cody Gaskins down in Somerville. He says two and six in SEC play is very realistic. Call from Robbie Davis, a.k.a. Kirk Herb Street. Robbie, appreciate you calling in, man. What's going on? Hey, I just wanted to call in real quick and just say, okay, I just wanted you to know that I am a man of my word, okay? If we somehow, by a miracle of God, win 10 games this year, mm-hmm. your boy's going to have a bald head, okay? I'm going to have a bald head. You're going to have a butt tattoo. I mean, I highly doubt we're going to have to do either one of those things. But I feel like at this point, you and me are going to have to – at some point, at the end of the season, we're going to look at the people that said we're going to go 10-2 and two and be like, tried to tell you. we tried to tell you. You didn't listen. We tried to tell you 7-5 and five and 8-4 and four is more realistic, and you didn't listen. We tried to tell you. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I'm, 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 I'm getting a beer ball ass tat if we hit 10 wins, and I'll gladly do it. I'll record the whole thing. 
Twitter will see a side of me they've never – social media will be a side of me that they have never seen before. That's a fact. And a side of me they may never want to see again. Uh, well, I ain't never seen it, and I already know I don't want to see it, okay? Uh-uh. No, you can keep that to yourself, okay? I don't want to see it. <laughs> but, um, but <laughs> I, I just, I, I watched the uh, Welcome Home thing last night. I thought it was, I thought it was very well done, even though some, a, a majority of it I've already seen. Mm-hmm. But I did think it was good. Um, and I feel like, I feel like if we are 0-4 in, and there's no debate, there's no question, if we're 0-4 in conference play to start off the season, Satterfield's seat will be unbearably hot. Unbearably hot. And I still stand by my statement. I will go to Columbia and help him pack his crap if we are 0-4 in conference play. I will literally help him pack his crap and send him back to wherever he came from. I do not give a... Yeah, I mean, listen, if you're, if you're 0-4 in SEC play, I, I, I just can't imagine... Um, I can't imagine the offense has performed to a level that would make you feel, oh, well, I guess Robbie, we lost Robbie. Uh, I don't know. We lost Robbie. Um, anyways, yeah, no, I, 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 uh, I agree with Robbie and everything he said, and obviously Satterfield's seat's going to be outrageously hot. Mm-hmm. So, uh, anyways, let's see. Tommy Wallace, how do you think Sherrod Green plays this year? What do you expect? Hopefully he's healthy and we'll be back to his potential and expectations of last summer. I mean, getting him back is huge. Um, as we saw last year, though, when you have a guy like coming off an injury, you know, we saw Marshawn Lloyd. It's not just always a given that they're going to be back 110% to their normal selves. Um, so I've got high expectations and high hopes for Sherrod Green. I, I do. I've got very high hopes for, for Sherrod Green. Um, you know, I, I think he helps. I think he helps us for sure. I think he helps us, no doubt. Brett Russ says, true or false, Harris ran for 1,000 with the same O-line base, but we used a fullback for blocking. I mean, listen, I, I don't think that's the only thing that happened. I, I think that 2020 was a weird year. Not trying to take anything away from our O-line, but I think it was a weird year. Teams couldn't really practice physically the way they did before. Um, and listen, Mike Bobo knew how to draw up a run play. He knew how to draw up some run schemes. But beyond that, just not much, not much. So, I mean, that's the thing, guys. We we ran for 1,000 yards. We won two games. So, what does it really mean? I, I don't think that means this O-line is going to produce a 1,000-yard rusher this year. I, I think we're somewhere between what you saw in 2020 and what you saw last year. I mean, I, I think we're better, obviously, than we saw last year. I mean, we, we can't be any worse. But I just don't think we're some elite O-line. I think we got guys that are limited talent-wise, and I think we got some guys that – um, we got some good players, but we've also got some guys that are limited. That we just you're, The only way – I think there's issues up front that the only way you solve them is in recruiting. I mean, that, that's just bottom line, guys. That's bottom line. Um, Robbie said the call dropped. No worries. Okay. 
Jacob Edwards says, I'd rather have a 3,000-yard passer than a 1,000-yard rusher. Let's see. How do y'all feel about Cody Gaskin saying two and six is realistic in SEC play? Mm, that hurts. That hurts to think about. Really, it truly does. That hurts to think about, Cody. That does. Travis says, 0-4 conference start, and we're going to see the ugly side of our lovely fan base. We will be so insane, dude. It will be – oh, yeah. I mean, that – I just – I'm trying to think, Travi, of what the Daily Crow will be like if we – start three and three and like that week after the Kentucky game I mean there are going to be people on on edge (laughs) that's putting it so lightly on edge on edge my friend on edge Uh, yeah yeah especially I mean again for these folks that are picking 10 wins man I don't I don't know what they're going to be feeling Again, guys, in case you missed it, South Carolina football, that Welcome Home series, it'll re-air on ESPNU tomorrow night at 9, Saturday at noon, and Sunday at 3.30. So if anybody missed it, there it is. If anybody missed it, there it is. Uh, Oh, my God. Come on, Chase. Come on, Chase. Can't even read your comment, Chase. Uh, Rebecca says she thinks that South Carolina is going to beat Tennessee. Okay. Love it. I would love to see that. I think that's got a potential to be the game of the year for sure. Um, Well, Joseph, Charles Bloom says it's tomorrow night at 9 o'clock. So somebody's wrong. It's either you or Charles Bloom. So I don't know. Tune in at 8.30 just in case, but whatever. It airs tomorrow night. Check your local listings. Check your local listings. Um, Brandon Wagner says, absolutely no way we start 0-4 in SEC play. Brandon, I don't think it's going to happen either. But you're not going to be – you're going to be the underdog in all four of those games. No doubt. Like right now, if you were to find a line right now for all four, you're a dog in all four. And I'm not saying that matters, but you are. You are. It is 8.30 on ESPN. Okay, well, then Charles Bloom is wrong. Had a boy, Charles Bloom. Stay hot, kid. Uh, Tommy Wallace loading the box against our offense will not be able to happen like last year. That's a huge difference for our offense. Should it help our running game? Yes, yes. Getting those safeties, keeping them safeties honest, right? Now you have the threat of a downfield pass, a downfield attack. Yeah, it should make a huge difference. It should make absolutely a huge difference for this football team. Yeah, I mean, you would think. You would think we're not – we shouldn't be nearly as one-dimensional. I mean, last year, guys – Last year, we got in a third and long. Just forget about it. Forget about it. We got in a third and long. It was over. Yeah, I mean, it was just flat out over, right? We didn't have a chance. So, I, um, yeah, I think that makes a huge difference. Jacob Edwards says, we have the best chance to beat UK because of their play style, slow and churning. Plus, they lost their best player from last year in Robinson. Yeah, I'm, I, I've got that as a win. I, I think that, uh, I think Rattler, again, will outduel Levis. 
I think Rattler outduels Levis, and uh, you know, I, I think that the Gamecocks are able to get the W. I, I do. I, I think that I think they finally take down Kentucky. I, I think Kentucky's a little bit overrated. I think Kentucky's a bit overrated. Uh, Joseph, Chris, yesterday you laughed when I said this documentary can build more hype around our team. And at one episode in, everybody's freaking out on tw- Twitter about Lloyd. Did I say that? I, I don't remember saying that. I feel like I was probably talking about something else. But, I mean, no, yeah, it's just it builds up the hype and excitement. I mean, it, it did it for me. I, I loved watching it. I, so I'm, I don't recall saying that. I'm, I'm surprised that I would say that. But, I mean, no, yeah, I mean, I, I think obviously it's it's that's what this documentary. That's kind of the main purpose is to build up hype and excitement and and energy around the program and continue to to do that. David Witt says, "I think the O line is going to surprise you, Chris. Second year with same OC, therefore same terminology and scheme. Also, Rattler will do a much better job of protection calls at all levels line of scrimmage. They will look light years ahead of last season." Well, David, that's not saying a lot. David, no kidding, they're going to be better. I, no, I mean, listen, I, I think the O-line obviously is going to be better. The question is just how much. I don't think we have some elite offensive line. You know, but certainly the steady hand of Rattler, it's going to help. I mean, guys, I'm picking Carolina to score 31 points per game, but I still just don't think the O-line is going to be elite, and I think there's going to be games where we get bullied. I think there's probably going to be games we get pushed around. That's why I don't have us beating Arkansas. That's why I certainly don't have us beating Georgia. That's why I don't have us beating A&M. Guys, A&M ran for 290 yards against you last year. I know that's the defensive line, but line of scrimmage, you got bullied around, man. You got bullied. I I just – so I think the O-line is going to be better for sure. Again, they can't be worse than they were last year. They literally cannot be worse. I'm excited to talk to J.C. Sherbert about that because – there's been a lot of talk about the O-line thus far in fall camp. There's concerns about the O-line. I've heard things about the O-line that are not great. So I think O-line is still, I mean, if you had to look at a weakness of our offense, it's the offensive line. Would, would y'all disagree? I don't think O-line's a strength. There might be some games this year we have to win in spite of the O-line. I, I fully believe that. There's going to be some games we have to win in spite of the offensive line. I'm not saying they won't improve, but I, I just, they're not, let me put it this way again, they're not as bad as they were last year. They're not. They're not that bad. They're not a 1,000-yard rusher O-line either, though. I, I think we're somewhere in the middle. I think we'll have some bright moments. I think we'll have some good games, and I think we we will not. My number one goal for the offensive line, guys, is this. Just don't have the boneheaded, blown assignments you had last year. I'm not expecting and asking this offensive line to pave the way for, you know, the the best rushing attack in the SEC or to give up two sacks all season. Just be consistent. Don't, 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 don't just let a guy free bull rush at Spencer Rattler. You know, don't have blown assignments. Don't, don't have a, a Jazden Turnantine gif again where like he's just going back and the guy just runs right around him. Just, just know you're, we can, we can all agree on this part, right? We can live. With the offensive line, if you're playing Georgia and the DN just beats you, just tip your cap. He's a good player. They're going to win sometimes. Defense is going to win sometimes. It just happens, bro. It's football. It's, it's, it's sports. You're not going to win every rep. But, damn it, at least put yourself in a position to compete. You know? 
when you can't even communicate, when you're missing assignments, we can't, you just can't live with that. You know what I mean? You can't live with that. So everybody be on the same page. I think that should be much improved with Spencer Rattler under center. I think having a consistent quarterback week in, week out, having the same voice, I think that should help that unit immensely. But, yeah, I think you also have to keep the expectations for the O-line realistic. I think there's, unfortunately, just going to be some moments where we see some of the stuff we saw last year. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. But I think we should be, in a lot of instances, able to win in spite of it. So, but I I just don't see, you know, I I don't see this O-line being, like, elite. It's the same players from last year, guys. It's the same guys. Same exact players. And I know terminology, second year system, those things are important, but in some instances, it's just the same guys. So, hey, listen, 129 career starts, whole two deeps back. Seven guys who have started six or more games in the season. Those things all sound great. They all sound great, right? But sometimes experience, I think experience can be the most overvalued thing in college football because I'd rather have a hot shot freshman who has a ceiling of being an NFL pro bowler, right, with no experience, I'd rather take that kid than a fifth-year senior who ain't never been worth a shit. That, 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 that this, his entire career has been average. And in, in two years, he's going to be selling insurance. You know what I mean? Like, I, 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 give me the hot shot freshman. I'd rather take my licks with that guy because he's actually got the talent. And I'm not trying to, like, call anybody out or, or say anything, but it's just the truth, man. I, I just think experience can be overvalued. Experience doesn't always mean productivity or you're a good player. I mean, I just hate to say that, but it's just true. It's true. Um, let's see. Here we go. Let's go to the phone lines here. Call from Brian. Brian, what's up, man? How are you? Hey, Chris, what's going on, buddy? Um, um, I wanted to call in and um. Give me the take on why I say we'll split with Arkansas and Georgia. Mm. Because, um, I mean, like, yeah, I, the schedule's daunting. I, I've looked at the schedule over and over, and I've we got different books broke, broken things down. I think I think the noon kickoff's going to be in our favor. Because we know year in, year out, Georgia has a huge offensive line. I mean, last year, I mean, if you, you watch the games, um, they pushed us around. Their O line, they they made holes. I mean, I could run through. I'm 400 and some pounds. I could run through those holes. But I I just really think that this team's gonna have a little chip on their shoulder with something somebody to prove that beating you beating UNC in the mail bowl wasn't a fluke. Actually, if uh, I I I was at that game because I saw you out there. Um, but I, in that game, the offensive line looked pretty good. They 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 seemed to come together a little bit in that game, and hopefully they'll take some of that momentum from that game and carry it forward. I'll let's see comments off there, man. Like always, have a good one, buddy. Brian, I appreciate it, man. Thank you. And, hey, like I said, I, I'm not saying it's impossible. I mean, we, we've all seen the South Carolina Georgia series that crazy things can happen. Um, that is my greatest concern line of scrimmage. Uh, and, and, you know, I talked about it on the podcast. It'll drop tomorrow, guys, because we're talking quarterbacks. A guy like Rattler gives you a chance. Flat out, he just gives you a chance in every ball game you play. So, if, if Rattler has one of those days and we're clicking and the line can hold their own. I mean, listen, I picked this team to beat Clemson. So 
I'm not saying it's impossible to compete against Georgia. I'm not. I mean, look at the amount of people that are picking that upset. Right? It, it's just, it's going to come down to line of scrimmage, though. Uh, Rattler's going to have to play well. You need to get a couple turnovers off Georgia. Here's the thing, guys. That's a game. If Georgia plays their A game, I don't think it'll matter how well we play. We, we need Georgia to have an off day. We, we need Georgia to do what they did in 2019. Let's not pretend like we just went to Athens and just, and just whipped them and beat them. I mean, we, we beat them. Don't get me wrong. We did. But thankfully, Jake Fromm threw three interceptions to the same player. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like some weird things had to happen, right? Some weird things had to happen. So, you know, and I'm not saying they can't happen. We've seen it. I mean, Carolina, Georgia, man, we've, we've seen it. We've seen it, but it will have to happen. Austin Greer says he, think we have, he thinks we have a better chance at beating Georgia than we do beating Clemson. Are you just saying that because it's at home? Do you think Clemson's a better team than Georgia? I mean, I disagree, obviously, but... I mean, to each their own. I mean, you know, I, I, I kind of throw them in the somewhat the same bucket. I know I've got Clemson as a toss-up, but, you know, Clemson's got, I think, arguably the best defense in college football, the, the best D-line for sure. Um, Clemson's a better team than Georgia. You lost me there, my guy. You lost me there. You really lost me there. Uh, I think Georgia goes undefeated. I think they're still elite. I wouldn't be surprised if they're back in the playoff. I, I think Georgia is for real. Yeah. Uh, Clemson a better team than Georgia Austin. <sighs> hey, I, I wish they played again. I wish they played week one again. I wish they played week one again. That would be a great matchup. I, I don't know. You, you kind of you lost me there. I don't know. I, I, I think also where the game falls in the schedule. I think obviously by the end of the season, we're clicking, we're rolling, we got it figured out. Week three, I think we're still kind of figuring out who we are. But saying Clemson's a better team than Georgia, yeah, Austin, you 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 lost me there, my guy. I'm sorry. You <laughs> you have a lot of hot takes, my dude, and uh, you have a lot of banter. But that's one I just can't get behind. Anyways, guys, we're gonna jump into a break. On the other side, J.C. Sherbert of the Big Spur. He will join us. Really excited to chat with him. Talk Gamecocks football. The first of his weekly appearances on. Thursdays. Should be a lot of fun. Guys, more of your questions, comments, calls, and more. And J.C. Sherbert from the Big Spur on the other side. You're tuned in to the Daily Crow. Beautiful. All right, guys, we're back. Taking your questions, comments, calls as well. 843-790-3377. That's 843-790-3377. Thursday, August the 11th, and again, as I told you guys, huge developments with the Daily Crow is we now have a full weekly lineup. Monday through Friday, we're going to have special guests on, talking Gamecocks, football, everything in between. Excited for today's guest. We're going to go ahead and get him in here. J.C. Sherbert of the Big Fur. J.C., first things first, let me say thank you so much for doing this. Absolutely thrilled to have you a part of the weekly lineup and get your thoughts and everything on counter football, especially as we get closer and then eventually into the season. Uh, so again, appreciate you taking the time in. Again, I know my followers and our our, our listeners, uh, viewers, everything they're excited as well. So I appreciate you taking the time. In. What's going on? Yeah, I always uh, love to talk a little Gamecock football, college football, whatever. Um, gonna go ahead and uh, apologize for my hair. So uh, 
Well, my show, I've decided, you know, I ran my mouth. Sometimes I run my mouth and I get myself in trouble. Uh, I decided I'm not going to cut it until the Gamecocks lose a game. So okay. uh, I hope that I kind of have long flowing locks, you know, by, by, the, by the end yeah, of the. I, I was going to say, we all hope you're like putting in a ponytail by about week 10 or 11. Yeah, it'd be a, it'd be a pretty snazzy ponytail. I think a little man bun action, something like that. Yeah. But nah, it's uh, so, so. You know, I know you see this big mop up there, and uh, you know I wanted to explain that to people. But yeah, great to talk football. You know, yesterday was sort of a roller coaster of a day. But like I explained earlier to some folks, I think you know when you're dealing with recruiting, when you're dealing with uh, injuries, like what happened with basketball and things like that, you know it's going to happen in sports. You know, 353 days a year, there's not a game, or 352 if you go to a bowl. So you know you're going to have to talk about stuff all the time, and. Uh, Sometimes bad stuff happens, but uh, at least it uh, it may just be one day. And I, I thought yesterday too, though, with the ESPNU thing and stuff, was was pretty positive. I mean that that kind of that kind of got me a little bit ready uh, for the season, especially seeing like the low angle uh, of the Marshawn Lloyd um, spin move and, and all that. I I missed just how good of a play that was uh, on the spring game broadcast. So you know, uh, lots of positive things happening. Um, Probably going to hit, you know, the next two weeks here. Uh, by the time I talk to you on the 25th, uh, we're going to be ready for the games to start. It's like, ah, yeah. I don't want to talk about practice anymore. But yeah. right now, everybody's excited, right? Yeah, you, you get to that point, I was going to say, man. We're, we're at that point where it's like I, I get about two or three weeks out. And I'm sure you're the same way because we just – we spend so long – breaking it down, dissecting, predicting, previewing, and like, God, I just – I need some on-field things mm-hmm. to talk about. So, I definitely feel you there. We'll start there with the uh, the Welcome Home South Carolina Football documentary. Obviously, I think a lot of it last night, which I expected, was some regurgitation from the preseason, obviously the spring game, uh, SEC media days. I thought it was really cool, too, seeing inside the facility, Beamer meeting with his coaches, their core values on the wall, just – I'll let you take the floor, though. Just You already mentioned a little bit of it, but your your major takeaways, I thought the Lloyd thing was really cool, too, actually seeing his recovery, seeing Josh Van with his family. I, I thought there were some really cool uh, cool nuggets, but really I viewed it more so as just a great commercial for South Carolina football, the culture Beamer's building, and, you know, great, again, to use in recruiting. Yeah, plenty of com- actual commercials in that one, too. Uh, I was kind of was kind of interested to me the University of South Carolina sponsored it. You know, they're, they're yeah. a, a sponsor uh, of the show. But, yeah, you know, I, I didn't expect to, like, be able to wind that episode back and break down the film of, of a practice or something like that. Because I, I, those kind of things, they, they, they kind of, I call them the MTV-style documentaries from back in the reality bites, if you will. If you grew up in the 90s, you know what I'm talking about there. But it's uh, it, it's one of those things where I did learn something. I mean, like when uh, and one thing that struck me that I picked up on that I really enjoyed or, or that I thought was a positive Beamer talking about, OK, guys, we're not going to have the same exact schedule every day to where we're doing this on this day and this on that day. Uh, we're going to mix it up, throw some adversity at you guys, some surprises, because that's what happens in football games. Right. And I thought that was uh, just kind of um, a very true thing. Um, I think a lot of coaches, uh, you ask them, they're kind of creatures of habit like we all are. And it's like, well, you know, we're going to, we're going to, this is the day we do legs and this is the day we do arms and this is the day we do Pascal. And, and it just stays that way. And that's fine. I mean, successful coaches have done that, but I thought it was really, when you think about Luke Day, 
the strength coach and, and his out of the box thinking, and then Beamer saying that. I've, I've always thought at the University of South Carolina, you have to be unique. Um, I think it's why some coaches that have done really well other places have not done well here. Uh, but you think about the successful coaches here, uh, Steve Spurrier and Joe Morrison, pretty unique individuals, right? Uh, they do things their own way. And I, I think that was another one of those signs that, you know, Shane Beamer's going to be a little different. I mean, he's going to do things and, and think outside of the box and things like that. So I did learn that. I thought the human element of it, um, you know, I don't know how much more Spencer Rattler can do uh, to try to dispel the narrative that he's some kind of bad guy, you know, uh, very professional sounding, relaxed, seemed happy. Uh, boy, Cam Smith's got a personality, doesn't he? Yeah. You know, I, he, I, I, he and Juju. He and Juju. Yeah, uh, those, the, those two the, stole the, the show in a, in a lot of ways. And, um, you know, and, and you think about Josh Van and just what he's been through at Carolina. You know, a knee injury, uh, promising freshman year, and then leading the SEC in drops. You know, I feel bad. I wrote last year that if he'd catch 21 passes, that would really help the passing game. Lo and behold, he caught 43 and was open for more. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I know he recently had a child and, you know, came back uh, to, you know, get even better and, and improve his draft stock and all that. So, you know, just that story, I, I think, uh, shows you sometimes these guys are human. Yeah. Uh, I think sometimes fans lose sight of that. I think sometimes they think everybody's just like a cyborg robot <laughs> goes out there and plays. So, so I really enjoyed it. I thought, I thought it was a, a great infomercial uh, for the South Carolina football program. Chris, I've covered national recruiting uh, before, uh, before I kind of retired from that in 2015. And, mm. and a lot of kids don't even know there's an 80,000-seat stadium in Columbia. Uh, they just don't – it doesn't register with recruits. Uh, and, they, and they get there and they visit. That's why a lot of the former staff, uh, the Spurrier staff, said if we can just get them to visit, they'll be good. And that was before the facility. So, uh, you know, I, I think having a look inside of it, and kind of looking and saying, oh, they played big-time football in South Carolina. Uh, across the country, uh, I think definitely, oh, that's Spencer Rattler. Yeah, I, I think that resonates with recruiting and really gives everybody a positive feeling about where this program not only is at but headed. Yeah, I mean, to your point, Brad Lowing, obviously somebody you know very well and is a good buddy of mine too, and he literally told me, he's like, Chris, you get a kid on campus, we're going to get him. <laughs> like you get him there for game day, we're definitely going to get him. I yeah, mean, you feel you feel really confident about your chances. Like you get him inside of a Pat Willie B. Like there's a really good chance of landing him because, like you said, there's some kids that just don't know about the, the atmosphere and sandstorm and and how electric that environment can be, especially when Gamecocks football is rolling. And you mentioned this football team specifically and Spencer Rattler. And I, I think I think Beamer has done as good a job as you can do about not making it all about him. You know what I mean? Because that's you know, we're talking quarterbacks tomorrow on the podcast, and, and you talk about the pressure that Rattler has. The pressure is so far beyond just a pressure to win for USC. It is pressure on himself to prove to himself he's that guy. Pressure SEC-wide, nationally, NFL. I mean, he is. It's all about number seven this year. Uh, but just talk about Rattler, his game as a whole. Obviously, I know it was way back in December of last year when kind of picked him up. Your reaction then your overall feelings through spring ball and now navigating fall camp, your expectations for him. I mean, how, how do you feel about with this football team with Spencer Rattler at the helm? What is the ceiling, I guess, for uh, for seven? Oh, the, the ceiling's hot. You know, hot. <laughs> he, he was the Heisman front runner uh, a couple of years ago. You know, things, get, things go that well. Uh, I, I think I'm going to hair down to my butt. 
uh, you know, but uh, anyway, uh, I, I'll be honest. I, when Rattler came out of high school, I, uh, from the Phoenix area, I liked his arm. I thought he was good. I thought a lot of people unfairly compared him to Kyler Murray, uh, which he's how, how three inches taller than Kyler, uh, but kind of that same kind of accurate passing, strong arm playmaker kind of deal. And he was going to Oklahoma. So I think everybody's like, oh, he's just going to be the next Kyler Murray. So I, I was a little concerned uh, about sort of the hype. But then, uh, boy, in 2020, uh, you know, he lit it up. And uh, I, I thought last year what what derailed him and what derailed Oklahoma uh, was, I think, in 2020, you know, not a lot of teams played defense, right? Right. Uh, and he had a little bit more vertical, uh, you know, firepower there. Uh, I didn't, you know, he still completed 70% of his passes last year. He still won 14 straight games as a starter. Um, and, and I think, too, I read this on on, on the Big Spur today, Chris. I, I, sometimes, and we've seen it at Carolina in the past, uh, when an offense isn't moving, mm-hmm. the guy with wheels, the guy that can run, the guy that's that more of a dual threat oftentimes comes in and, and sparks uh, the team. I, I saw it way back when I was uh, a new in newspaper business in the early 2000s with a kid named Reggie Ball at Georgia Tech. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, their, their quarterback had cement shoes. Reggie comes in and changed the season. So um, I, I think that Caleb Williams is a special player. I think passing-wise, he, he he brings a lot to the table as well as running-wise. But, you know, if you're Lincoln Riley, I, you know, he comes in, he sparks the team, he can run. He made several great plays run running this year. I, I think you, you stick with Caleb, right? Uh, really had much to do with Spencer Rattler. I, I, I thought when Carolina signed him, my uh, initial reaction was, ooh, you know, because you worry about an offense like what Marcus Satterfield's trying to run versus kind of a quarterback-friendly system at Oklahoma. But, but, but I think, you know, that comes with maturity and, and, and putting in the work to learn it, and he certainly has. Um, and, and then the more I, I heard about him, you know, and, and when he uh, when he did sign, when he committed, uh, I got a call and it's like, hey, you know, we met with this guy, um, you know, talking about the staff, and, and and they said, look, this guy's been served a big plate of humble pie. Uh, he is ready uh, to come in and work, and and we have no issues. And, and you know, they, they were like, look, Beamer wouldn't have taken him uh, had he not been comfortable. Right. Uh, they'd have probably gone all in on Max Johnson, uh, who's at a, who's at A and M now. Uh, so I, you know, I thought, well, Hey, here's a shot if he can do everything. And if they get some people around him and they have, so, um, you know, I'm cautiously, (laughs) you know, you're always kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop around here. Mm. Uh, but I'm optimistic. I, I, you know, even, even things like the zone read run play, I I think sneakily they're going to run Spencer a little bit more than maybe Oklahoma did. Uh, and they need that, you know, you're going to need all your weapons to try to establish the run and, uh, you know, good, good, uh, a good arm. Josh Van mentioned it, man. It's nice to have somebody can throw it in your bread basket. So, uh, I think, uh, Hey, you, uh, the key is, is you, you have him back there and you have the receivers they have teams cannot do what they did at Carolina early last year, which is stack it and dare you to throw. Cause you're not going to really be that, um, effective doing it. And I think, he certainly brings that to the table. So I, I am optimistic that he'll have a good year. I think uh, there's a range, you know, he can have a good year. He can have a great year. He can have an excellent year. You know, it just kind of depends on how things shake out. 
Well, and JC, what a lot of it comes down to, you mentioned uh, for Rattler to hit those type of expectations is the offensive line play. And I, I thought something you said was really interesting because I agree with you and it's something we don't take into account enough is that teams didn't play defense in 2020. Like it was just like, it's weird. You didn't have, you know, like really contact, right. Going into the 2020 season because of COVID and the way practices were going. And so South going to produce a 1000 yard rusher. You can't take that away from the O-line. Then you look at what they did last year and it just took all of us by surprise. Like how can they be so bad? I think the truth probably lies somewhere in the middle, but you have again, a unique vantage point. And I know offensive line play has been a very hot topic of conversation on your boards this week. I'm not asking you to give us a play-by-play description of what's happening at practice, but honestly, your overall gauge and feeling on the line. Because, like, I think they're obviously going to be better than last year, but it's like, how can you not be? I mean, if they just know their assignments, they're going to be better than they were last year. But I still don't look at this line as it's like some elite group, elite unit. I think there will be – you know, it's one reason why I picked Arkansas to beat South Carolina. I don't love the matchup. You know, four or five guys back up front for them, and – you know, they'll be ready. Sam Pittman will have them ready to go, you know, matchups against the likes of Georgia, A&M. Like, these games you go in, you know, SEC play, you just need those guys up front on a week-in, week-out basis. So, a lot of what Spencer Rattler is going to do this year, which in turn will lead to what this offense is going to do this year, it just simply put all comes down to that offensive line. Yeah, it does. And especially with what South Carolina is trying to do on offense, that, it, you know, with the system they're trying to – I guess implement it, it does require your line to be at least competent. Uh, I, I think there's no excuse. Uh, you know, I, I didn't know there was an excuse last year. To be honest, I, I was uh, I, I I was a bit critical because I was like, you know, with the guys they had coming back up front and the backs they had, you know, it seemed like it was being treated like a year zero situation where oh, well, we're gonna install install this complicated system over two or three years and i'm like well there's all these guys are veterans why are you you know uh but thinking about it you know they did have three different offensive coordinators in three years with three different schemes i mean b max was different than bobo's for sure bobo's was different than, than what sap wants to do so you know i think it's fair and, and they did get better and i think uh it was interesting last year chris because the guys that really struggled were, were not like your Vershawn Lees or Tyshawn Wanamakers who hadn't played a whole lot. It was your Dylan Wanams and, and um, Eric Douglas and Jovan Gwynn and those guys. So, you know, I think there was some confusion. They did get better. They have 139 starts returning. Um, you have some old dudes on that line, man. You have grown men mm-hmm. up there. There is no excuse, none, for them not to at least be better. Uh, and, and I think the offensive, uh, the offensive play call, the passing game, things like that, uh, that can help them a little bit, be a little better. But I, I just don't, um, uh, I'm not buying that, uh, you know, this group can't be, you know, significantly improved. I'm not, I don't, I don't think they suck. I've seen all of them individually play well at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in the second year, you expect some growth as far as assignments. So um, I, I know everybody panicked because, uh, Muhammad Kaba comes unblocked uh, in a drill, and everybody's like, ah, you know, but, uh, you know, most of the time you don't send your linebacker off the edge. <laughs> first time, right. Clayton White's probably trying to get him ready. So uh, I wouldn't panic too much about that. We'll see. Uh, but I agree. I mean, if they can just step up, and it will not be perfect, if they can just step up a little and uh, give the backs room to run, protect Rattler, uh, it can be a, dyna- a, a, a night and day different year on offense now jc speaking of the defense do you think it's just a given that south carolina is as good if not 
improved on what they did last year? Because my my greatest concern is this. It's interesting though how nobody's really talking about the defense a ton, and just like I said, it's just it's an assumption that. And I think it speaks to again what Clayton White, Tory and Gray, Jimmy Lindsay, entire defensive staff did last year, doing so much more with so little. I guess you could say they had. I mean, they turned Jalen Foster, who was a walk-on, into an All-American. I mean, it's like so. I think he's earned, you know, at least after year one, the benefit of the doubt and saying, hey, he's going to put a high-level defense on the field. My greatest concern, though, I guess, is losing a Foster. And your big play guy that produced all those turnovers, this was a defense that made a living getting the ball for people, 20, what, 24 turnovers last year. And I, I hate to compare, like, the previous regime to this current one, but, like, we've seen this before where 2017, you get to nine wins, you get a bunch of turnovers, right? That's how you made your living in the following year. You didn't quite get those turnovers. And not all things were equal, but you just didn't quite get the turnovers at that rate. And it was like – okay, is the defense actually really that good or did they were they right place, right time a lot of the time? And, again, you beat Michigan in that bowl game and you got five turnovers off the Wolverines, and that's why you won that game. So, when you look at this defense, um, again, for you, is it as simple as, you know, you trust in Clayton White, trust in Torian Gray, they're going to take a step forward? Do you think they're going to be kind of the same as what they were last year, which – you know, I think run defense, line of scrimmage is obviously the thing that jumps out to you. But Shane Beamer seems confident. He's touted multiple times that he thinks the defensive tackles are the strength of the football team, not even just the defense. But just your overall feelings on South Carolina's defense going into this season. Yeah, I got sort of a hot take on the tackles. I think Boogie Huntley's an upgrade over Jabari Ellis. I, I, although I love Jabari Ellis um, and uh, his success he had at Carolina and his career, his life, all that. Mad respect for him. But, man, Boogie started coming on at the end of last year, and you look at him now, he's big as a house. Uh, you know, he he always had really good feet, kind of a – I think he played soccer or lacrosse or something at Hammond. Um, unbelievable athlete for his size. You line him up next to Pickens, that, that's, a, that's a dynamic duo right there. You know, Carolina needs Jordan Birch to come on. Does Jordan Birch need to be Jadevi and Clowney this year? No. Uh, does Jordan Birch need to be a much better version, a more consistent version of Jordan Birch? Yes. Uh, I, I think Jordan Strawn, uh, I thought he was the best pass rusher naturally on the team last year. Uh, I think he's an upgrade over Aaron Sterling in that department. And I know that sounds sacrilegious to some people, but that's, that's how I see it. Uh, the ends have to get better against the run. Now, can Tyreek Johnson be a guy that helps with that? Probably. Uh, and then behind those guys, you know, Shane's probably right as far as depth goes. You have Tonka Hemingway. You have one of those grown men in MJ Webb. And then they're really high on TJ Sanders and Nick Barrett, who were rising uh, redshirt last year. So they, they go about six deep at D-tackle, which is going to be good. Um, I think if Muhammad Kaba and Sherrod Green are the starting linebackers, or even if they, you know, rotate Johnson in there, that unit will be faster and more athletic. Um, you know, because if you start Johnson and Green, uh, those two guys are co a combined 47 years old. <laughs> uh, you know, Kaba is a guy they've been trying to get on the field for a while. You know, the secondary, you know, I, I think that, you know, everybody talks about Cam Smith and, and Darius Rush. And I, I think people lose this. Cam Smith didn't play in the bowl game. He was out. Uh, Darius Rush and Marcellus Dial played court. Yeah. Uh, Marcellus Dial played just as much as Rush last year. So if they go with Cam at the nickel and Dial, and, and they have the luxury of having Dial and Rush on the outside and Cam in the middle of that defense, uh, I'm not so worried about replacing 
uh, Foster from last year. Now you move Cam out of the perimeter. You got somebody else in there, nickel. You know, you, you've got an RJ Roderick out there, and everybody's hoping that he plays his best football ever. Another old guy, um, and then Devontae Reed, I think, is a, is a man. I mean, he's he's a, he's going to be a really good player. You got young guys behind him. Uh, you know, the difference in, in, in people, I think uh, the 2017 comparisons are interesting and it's it's a valid point because, you know, I think we all went into 2018 just assuming, well, and you asked me, should we just trust Clayton White to do it? No, I, I did that with Will Muschamp in 2018. I was like, surely they'll have a good defense this year, even though they lost everybody. And uh, that defense wasn't worth a flip even before everybody got injured. And it ended up being uh, – you know, giving up 700 yards to or 744 yards to their rival at the end of the year. I mean, they, they were depleted. So, you know, I, I kind of learned then don't, don't just assume because ex coach is an expert on this side of the ball that will happen. I think the difference between 18 though and now uh, is that expectations are a little bit lower just because that was close to the Spurrier era. Carolina wins nine, second year of Muschamp after doubling it the year before, and it's like, we're back, right? Mortimer, we're back, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. And uh, we, you know, and, and so you go in there, man, I picked 11 and two. I got on that bandwagon, you know? Uh, I was I like, remember, I remember the 18 preseason was uh, the Georgia game week two. And that, uh, was kind of, that was looked at as like, this is the game for the East. And then Carolina loses like 44. Badly, badly. I was, I was at the stadium. I was like, was uh, SEC Nation was on, on, on site. And oh, man. Go well. The hype. Go, I, I was in a, <laughs> a packed dive, a, a place called Dive Bar in Atlanta. It was packed. Uh, everybody was excited. I remember it was like 90 degrees outside. But. It was that was just disappointing. That, that was the that was the pick six to like start the game off. Oh god, yeah, and you're just like wow. And it, <laughs> here it, we go. <laughs> it was like oh this uh, isn't this isn't what we thought, you know, because you thought hey Kurt Roper's gone now, this offense yeah. is gonna go up and down the field, and it did at times that year, yeah. but not Georgia it was just a, a a mistake, just like a lot of the big games under Muschamp, man. It was it was just like a, a a lot of tight play, a lot of mistakes they didn't normally make, that kind of thing. Uh, and so I think the difference this year is, is it, you know, there's a lot of, a lot more returning veterans, I guess, uh, a lot more returning talent, uh, a lot more guys that have, that have played a lot of football to go with the newcomers that are talented. Uh, Will Muschamp didn't have a transfer portal either, you know? And so I, I think that's going to be an interesting dynamic to see. Uh, Carolina does have a big game week two uh, at Arkansas. So, We'll find out soon enough. But uh, I, I think there are some differences at the same time. Uh, I think anytime you have a defense that relies on turnovers almost exclusively, um, and it wasn't always that way, but it, most of the time, you know, turnovers really helped. You know, th- those things, all they all kind of even out over right. time. And so that, that, that I, I understand why people, people are coming from. I just think the personnel, if all goes according, people play up to their potential, all that kind of thing, uh, is good enough to where you, you'll see the defense probably take a step forward mm-hmm. uh, rather than take a step back, even if they don't get as many turnovers. Yeah, and I was going to say, JC, on the flip side of my question, I mean, I'm very optimistic because, again, you look at what Clayton White did and that entire coaching staff did with what they had, and they've got more this year. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's – you know, I, I think that's not a hot take at all. Um, before I get you out here, JC, I'll ask you again, you talk about the expectations then – 
the expectations now, and that's obviously what matters. And certainly they overachieved in year one, you know, just, just getting to a bowl game over under in Vegas was three and a half, which I thought was disrespectful. But uh, either way, you get to a bowl game, you beat UNC in that Mayo Bowl, and you do it in a, in very loud fashion, I might Ooh. add, obviously. Um, I, I've joked around, JC, that you know kickoff is getting very close because it's like you start the preseason, you start the offseason, if you will, with you know, very grounded, logical, realistic expectations of, hey, you know, this is year two, and we got this, this, and this, and these are our questions, and they might go this way, they might go that way. But as we get closer to kickoff, you know, the, the excitement level rises and the hype rises, and everybody can feel it. And the garnet glasses, I feel like the tent, they start to get a little darker as each day passes. And I might, I've had people this week call into this show saying, hey, Chris, nine, ten wins Realistic expectations for you. I mean, I've got this team at eight and four, four and four in league play, and I feel like that's pretty optimistic. I think, you know, seven and five seems to be the safe pick, and I'm not asking you yet to lock in a prediction. I know the Tito's and Chicken guys are, are getting that out of you. So maybe once you <laughs> maybe maybe once you, you finish out giving your predictions, we'll talk about them. Maybe that'll be next week. But yeah. just just realistic expectations. I mean, I I feel like ten is way too aggressive when you look back at last year and you keep perspective. And I understand there's been incredible upgrades and I say this all the time JC that I'd rather have to to talk people down like hey let's keep things in perspective than be like hey guys it's football let's get fired up because at the end of the must champ era we got to that point where it was like people weren't even really that excited for kickoff and that's a terrible place to be in right I'd rather the hype and the expectations be crazy but I mean what would you say to people who have those type of expectations because a lot of I think building a program is keeping expectations somewhat realistic because if you're setting these unrealistic standards and expectations, you're going to be disappointed when you shouldn't be, and that's not a good place to be either. Yeah, you know, I, I think the folks that are saying 10, um, shoot, if they all stay healthy and the, the five stars play like five stars and the transfers are all good, um, you know, they have a few breaks here and there, yeah. I mean, it could have magical it, season. It, magical. You can have a magical and I, season, and I'll and I'll have a new tattoo on my rear end. <laughs> but uh, you know, here's the thing about the build, and and I thought, around the league, even look at Will Muschamp. You know, maybe not Steve Spurrier so much. He did improve his second year by a game, but Lou Holtz second year, uh, Kirby Smart his second year at Georgia. I mean, you know, a lot of second years go really well for guys. Right. Uh, that are new coaches in this league. Lane Kiffin last year was Sugar Bowl second year. But, and I look at it and I'm like, well, you know, th- this this build, right, is maybe not linear. Because I'm a little more bullish on this year's team than I think I will be next year. Uh, just because it's a unique situation. And so the people – the people that are predicting 10 wins probably always predict 10 wins, right? <laughs> uh, but, but, you know, why do I think they could dramatically surpass expectations this year? Because th- th- we've never been in this situation before as college football fans. We've never had a COVID year where everybody got a red shirt. So now you got a bunch of six-year guys walking around. Mm-hmm. You had not had a transfer portal that long, you know, to where, you know, you don't have to – it's not like when, you, when people used to load up on JUCOs. Uh, these are guys that played actual college football with – full coaching staffs and stuff like that, be it at different levels, but they're, they're still veteran guys. Um, and you and I got eight of them, you know. Um, I think there's just a lot of different uh, options on offense. You know, th- then you start asking questions, well, who's the quarterback? Because you can have all that. If you don't have a quarterback, 
uh, it's not going to work out. And lo and behold, Spencer Rattler. Uh, do, do you have pass rushers? Yes. Can you possibly have speed uh, uh, at linebacker? To, to So some of those 28-yard runs people were making last year uh, turn into six. You know, yes, you, maybe you got it. Maybe you got that there. Uh, how about the secondary? Well, you know, there's an All-American at one corner and a guy that nobody thought was ever going to play that people are now talking about being like a third to fifth round draft pick at the other. Um, and, and so I think about all that and I'm like, well, shoot, why am I not? Uh, overly excited. And I think it's just, a, I'm a creature of habit, you know, and, and I got burned and everybody, everybody got burned or not everybody. Some people to their credit, didn't like the hire to start with, but how many times during the must period did, did just things look a certain way that mm-hmm. oh, we find out total opposite. So I understand yeah. that, but mm, you know, it, it's, it's hard when I actually just take the Gamecock blinders off and look at like, who's, you know, if this were another mm-hmm. team, I think I'd probably be a little more bullish. I don't, I, I don't know. So that's my thing. But I, I'm, I, I'll, I'll let you know what my prediction is. I promise. I, I won't keep that from from folks. But no, I, and I would agree with you, JC. Actually, on the outlook of this year compared to next year, and you know, this is not your typical year two. Um, I think you and I maybe talked about that before, but it's not your typical year two when you got a guy like Spencer Rattler and you take advantage of mm-hmm. uh, you take advantage of, of the transfer portal the way you did. Um, so, I, you know, I, I think certainly there, there's plenty of reason to be excited, to be optimistic, um, and I know we all are, certainly. Last thing, JC, before I get you out of here, anything, anything, I'll just give you the floor. Anything specific on the recruiting side of things? I know the Jaden Robinson decommitment flipped Florida. Not something that shocked a lot of people, but uh, anytime there's a decommitment. You know, it's funny to see some of the fallout because it's like you love it when we get a guy due to a flip, but then fans hate it when it happens to you. Um, but certainly the you positive know, momentum, I think, is still there for Beamer and what they're doing on the recruiting trail. Yeah, you know, I, Chris, I, Robinson to me, and it, it's kind of ironic because Justice Boone from Sumter went to Florida a couple of years ago, right? Right. I remember uh, but, but look, if there were a kid at Sumter High School uh, that Carolina had not offered, that had an offer from the Gators, and he went down there and committed, whoopee-doo, I'm going to Florida, and then the Gamecocks offered him right before – I think everybody in South Carolina would expect him to ultimately flip back to the Gamecocks unless he was just one of these kids that wants to go out of state. Lake City. Uh, and uh, all right, So the one big-time guy from there that left the state was Laramie Tunzel. <laughs> and we all know what happened there. Uh, somebody give me my gas mask, you know. Um, and and so I – that's hard. That's hard. Outside of Lakeland – you know, Lake City's probably the biggest Gator stronghold in that yeah. state. Um, and so it, it didn't surprise me. Would it have been great for Colin to hold on to him? Yeah, but, you know, they're going to move on and try to get another linebacker. Uh, the Carmelo Taylor thing was like the, the biggest shocker mm-hmm. because nobody, I'll tell you, no, none of the staffs involved with that kid uh, thought he was committing to Penn State. You know, yeah. I'll just leave that there. <laughs> it, was, it was a surprise for everybody, including Penn State. But, uh, and to me personally, I really like Carmelo Tucker. I thought I think he's got a chance to be a big time player. So that one kind of stung me a little bit because I was like, ah, they should have gotten him. But um, looking forward a little bit, Xavier McLeod from Camden, obviously. Uh, and, and I've been on the air and talking to you. So if the dates have changed, hmm. uh, somebody needs to let me know. But uh, I think it's sometime in the next 72 to 96 hours he'll commit. Uh, I think the Gamecocks right now, last I checked, are in really good shape. Vicari Swain from Carrollton, Georgia, uh, speedy guy. They like a corner. Um, 
Carolina's in pretty good shape there. And then the big one I'm looking at, and uh, if Carmelo Taylor was my favorite target in this class, this guy's probably number two, Desmond Umiazulu, or Zolo, uh, from, uh, he's from the Maryland, D.C. area where they've been recruiting so well. It's 50-50 Gamecocks in Ohio State. Ohio State's done some things where they've sort of messed it up a little bit. This kid's 6'6", 240. He's the, he's the edge rusher from the Spurrier era everybody covets. And um, going up there and getting another kid from DMV and beating Ohio State on edge rusher, uh, yeah, give that to me all day. So uh, I think that's one. He's uh, supposed to announce August 29th, so right before the season. Uh, Gamecocks could potentially be getting huge recruiting news right there to carry on into the opening week of the season. The Gamecocks own the DMV at this point. <laughs> hey, man. about that, man. I don't know. Well, I mean, things are so yeah. uh, touch and go in North Carolina right now. Right. Uh, it's funny because, you know, some staffs that have been here, and I'm not going to – must champion those guys did an okay job recruiting North Carolina, really. But, uh, you know, some staffs like under Spurrier, you know, there, there was all, a lot of excuses, you know. Shoot, we're not getting any guys out of North Carolina, but shoot, we don't have a lot of in-state talent. That's what are we supposed to do? Oh, you know, (laughs) and and he made it work, but, you know, go elsewhere. Well, Beamer, I think, coming in, he's such a smart guy in recruiting, Mm -hmm. right? He's brilliant as far as, uh, you know, just plan of attack and where to go and stuff. And you got Pete Limbo, and they just said, okay, we're going to recruit North Carolina, but until, you know, we start – getting in there getting guys and that may not be until Mac Brown leaves UNC or whatever, we're going to skip over, you know, we're going to hire Maryland's uh, director of player personnel, Taylor Edwards, and we're going to go to the DMV and fight. And there's so many good players there, man. I mean, yeah. it's, it's a, it's a gold mine. If you could start getting three, four, five a year from up there uh, and then dip into Virginia. And then when North Carolina comes back and I love what they do in Florida, because you can get a three-star in Florida that plays like a five. We all know that. Yeah. Um, and then they continue to kind of do what Muschamp did in Georgia by being selective and getting the right guys out of Georgia. So I'm encouraged by that uh, right now uh, as, in terms of uh, what they've been doing, kind of working north-south. And I'll tell you this, uh, a key to recruiting up there moving forward is probably going to be how Marshawn Lloyd does the next couple of years or this coming year. Mm-hmm. He's such a popular player. Uh, players tend to gravitate to schools where they see sort of the guys they grew up watching. Yeah. Uh, go and do well. Yeah. So I think I think that's something to watch this year uh, as it relates to recruiting in the DMV moving forward. Yeah, show you can develop, no doubt. JC, this has been a pleasure. I mean, I, like I said, I appreciate you doing this and looking forward to chatting with you each and every single Thursday uh, as we navigate through the 2022 football season. Thanks so much, man. We'll do it again next week. Thanks, Chris. It was real. I'm looking forward to next Thursday already, man. Yeah, man. Looking forward to it. Great stuff, guys. We're going to jump into one final break. But I want to continue to hear from you, more of your questions, your comments, your calls, and more on the other side. You're tuned in to the Daily Crow. All right, guys, we're back. Final four minutes or so here on the Daily Crow as we wrap up on this Thursday, August the 11th. I want to say again, thank you so much to J.C. Sherbert for taking time to join the show. He's going to be with us, like I said, guys, every single Thursday, 115 to 145 or so, just depending on how long we want to go. But uh, he'll join us every Thursday, 115. Going to be a lot of fun. Again, I think it's going to drive a lot of great value to the show, guys, especially on the recruiting side, because I see many of you asking recruiting questions. And uh, JC, without a doubt, got got intel on the recruiting side that I do not have. So I'll be picking his brain when it comes to recruiting prospects, crystal balls, all that good stuff. And uh, 
like I said, man, it's, it's a blessing for sure to, to have guests of J.C. Sherbert's caliber and just others as well. They're going to provide immense amounts of value to this show. Very excited. Looking forward to it again. Every Thursday is when you can catch J.C. Tomorrow, 1215, we will have Jake Crane on TDC for the first time ever. He will join us. We're going to talk kind of football, of course, and certainly I'm going to come at him for the five and seven prediction. I know you guys are going to give him hell too, but uh, it'll be a lot of fun. It'll be a lot of fun. Uh, looking forward to it. And again, guys, like I said, it's all about driving value to you all and enhancing the listener experience. And I think we're going to be doing that with all these guests we're bringing on. Um, guys, be sure to stay tuned to the podcast tomorrow. Of course, TDC will be live normal noon to two. Um, we'll be at Carolina L House tonight in Fort Mill. So I'm looking forward to that. Literally, we're going to get off here in three minutes. I'm going to get ready, head down to Columbia to pick up a new batch of towels. So continue to order those towels, right? If you're in person tonight at any of our alehouse events, of course, tonight we're going to have the towels and the koozies on hand for sale, five bucks a pop. So we'd love to get those out to you guys. Uh, John Edward, I know I'm going to see you there. Um, other than that, guys, tonight in Fort Mill, we'll get going tonight at 6 o'clock, uh, probably do a Q&A around 7 or 7.30. It's going to be a blast. It's going to be a really, really good time. Looking forward to it. All the details, of course, guys, are on social media if you need directions or need the address, whatever. It's all on there. So, um, really excited, really excited for it. Excited to get down to Cola and, like I said, pick up those, uh, pick up that merch. And you guys continue to order the merch. You see, this is one I feel like that's underrated: the Go Fight Win Kick Ass shirt. This merch, I really like this merch. Also, guys, if you're not rocking with the Comfort Colors stuff, oh my goodness, you are missing out. The Comfort Colors is incredible. Um, yeah, I mean, outside of that, man, stay tuned to all the content. I appreciate y'all, man, the love and support. Um, it's been incredible. You know, we've been feeling. It. Also, guys, if you're not subscribed to the Daily Crow podcast. If you only catch bits and pieces of this, be sure you go subscribe to the podcast. Go rate, subscribe, like it, whatever you got to do. iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, yeah, so really, really excited. All, now off of the Daily Crow in podcast form for all of those who cannot maybe tune in noon to two and also those who want to just go back and listen because we're going to have so many great conversations and interviews and awesome guests and awesome calls and everything else. Definitely worth going back and listening to. Sondra Days, yes, I'm driving from G Vegas down to Cola and then up to Fort Mill. It's actually not, like, I mean, it, it adds, it adds probably 45 minutes to the drive, but I mean, it just, Sondra Days, it has to be done. Like, I mean, I'm not going to go to Fort Mill without the towels. Like, you know what I mean? So, um, I'll go down to Cola, up to Fort Mill, and then straight back. I'm literally going in a triangle um, today, but just, this was the time that it made sense to do it, and so, yeah, I'll be heading down to Cola literally like right after this. So, um, anyways, guys, I appreciate y'all. Thank y'all so much for the continued love and support. Check out the podcast that drops tomorrow. The position at preview series gets rolling. And, uh, you know, just really excited to continue throughout the week. And stay tuned to all the content. Content is bleeding out the eyeballs. Again, guys, thank you to you all for tuning in. Thank you for the comments. Thank you for the calls. Thank you to J.C. Sherbert for taking his time to talk. Appreciate all the love and support. And we will talk to you all tomorrow. See you tonight at Carolina Ale House in Fort Mill. Y'all take care.